Welcome to Creating Wealth with Jason Hartman. During this program, Jason is going to tell you some really exciting things that you probably haven't thought of before and a new slant on investing. Fresh new approaches to America's best investment that will enable you to create more wealth and happiness than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who not only talks the talk, but walks the walk. He's been a successful investor for 20 years and currently owns properties in 11 states and 17 cities. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to financial freedom. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. This show will be in two parts. The first part, we'll talk about the recent Meet the Masters event. And in the second part, we'll talk about low vacancy rates with military tenants. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show. This is episode number 225, and I'm your host, Jason Hartman. And I am here with two of our investment counselors, Ari and Sarah. Are you on with me? How are you? Yeah, great, good. Jason. Good, good. Well, I wanted to have Sarah and Ari on just to debrief a little bit on our Meet the Masters event over the weekend. We had that at the Hyatt Regency in Irvine, and it was just a phenomenal event. And and Sarah, what you said to me at the end, you kind of always say that to me, but every time we do a Masters event, you always say it's the best one yet. And you said that again, right? <laughs> I did. Well, it just seems to we seem to be getting better at this every time. The speakers were really great, and it just was an overall great vibe. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was an awesome event. We had probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 65, 70 people and just, just such a great crew of people. We started off Friday evening with just like a very social, fun networking dinner, nothing educational then, but just to help people get to know each other. And one of the things that everybody commented on that was so valuable for them was the networking at the event and how the real world experiences, just sitting down across the table from some of our other customers, people that had owned property before they decided discovered us, just hearing the stories about all of that and, and each investor hearing the, the personal experiences from other investors and, and getting great ideas from them. One of my former tenants, Daniel, came and he's just a great guy and he, he's been listening to the podcast and I was able to get a hold of his notes and they're very complete. He took 45 pages of notes and Daniel is Ari's client. Ari, what are your observations from the event? This is my fifth or sixth Masters Weekend I've attended to, so it was definitely great. Every time I go, I I always learn something new. I think the, the best thing about the Meet the Masters weekends are that every time you come, there are similar topics, but the more that you keep listening to our content and just educating yourself, it does stick in your head and you actually start taking away more and more stuff. So it was really, it, it was really good. And like you said, Jason, many of the people really appreciated the fact that they were able to network with other people, learn from their experiences, whether they bought or haven't bought real estate. And that was that was a huge thing. So that was really great. And the other thing I'd say real quick is that we had a big portion of our audience that actually have already acquired real estate. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree with maybe like 70% of the audience had actually already purchased real estate. Yeah, well, and not just purchased real estate, but a lot of real estate. <laughs> so some of the people there were very experienced investors and, and some newer to the game. So we had a really nice mix, I thought, and just thought it was an overall great event. Before we kind of reflect on, on some of the other elements of it, I, I just thought I'd maybe go over and here I'm looking at Dan's notes on my own speech, and it's just kind of interesting to see what someone else scribes 
when when they're listening to you speak because of course it's a very different perspective being the listener versus the speaker and and just kind of go over a few of those little bullet points from the Saturday morning which was the opening keynote that I gave just sort of talking about some general factors in the in the environment the financial environment the economies right now but we talked about establishing a five-year plan and how important that is for people to have a five-year plan of where they want to be by 2016 you know I mentioned that the real unemployment rate when you include the discouraged workers, underemployment is about 26 to 27%. I talked about the decline of the standard of living in America and how I think it's going to decline a lot further. And what this means when we talk about this kind of negative stuff is a lot of people say, and I know Ari and Sarah, your clients have said it to me and, and you've parroted that question back is, well, with all these negative things going on, who's going to rent my properties? Well, the, the question is, that's not the right question. There will be a renter there. It's just that that same renter will have lived a much nicer lifestyle in the prior years. For most people, and I mean the vast majority of America, and to some extent, any advanced country around the world, lifestyle is in decline. The standard of living is going down. And people who are following our plan, I think, can do a lot better and avoid this trap that most people will experience. If I can chime in here, it's funny because, you know, like Ari, I've attended several of these events and I would say about a year ago sitting in the event and, you know, after the weekend, I, I thought, gosh, the world is coming to an end. And I was almost scared by, you know, all the talk on inflation and all of this. And and a year later, it's com- it's a completely different feeling. It's like you really did a good job at at painting the big picture. And I I left this weekend feeling like really blessed to know what I know today, (laughs) that there's so many people in this world that that don't have this information, that just don't get it. And they're falling into this trap that you're talking about. And, you know, I think everybody left the, the weekend feeling refreshed and glad to know what we all know. So, you know, we thank you for that. You're certainly welcome. And and my take on it is, look, there are a lot of bad things. I'm not going to be Pollyanna and say that there's a bunch of good news and, and things like that. There There's not. The, the news is bad. But the point is, how can we exploit the bad news and, and make it in our favor? And we definitely can do that. And just comparing this event, I think this was probably our 11th Meet the Masters event. I'm sort of losing count from the one that we held back in 2006, <laughs> I think was our first, and we do it twice a year, so there you go, whatever that number comes out to be. But it is amazing how easy it is to exploit all of these things that are going on. And and right now, I mean, as one gauge, as a barometer, just looking at our business and what's going on in terms of our customers, and it is such an amazing attitude that people have out there. I mean, you don't need to talk anybody into investing in real estate anymore. There's no salesmanship whatsoever going on. People want to do it. People see that there is blood in the streets. And this is the time that the smart money moves in and locks in long-term fixed rate mortgages and locks in properties and commodities, packaged commodities, far below the cost of replacement, far below the cost of construction. One of the other things I talked about is how typically real estate 
only outperforms inflation by a fairly small margin, nothing to write home about in other words. But when you leverage the real estate, say for example you put 20% down on a property, that means you have a 5 to 1 leverage ratio. So if the property appreciates at a nominal rate of only 3%, which since 1968 the average has been about 6 or 7%, depending on which survey you're looking at, but say it only appreciates at 3%, well, you multiply that in a simplistic example by 5 because you're only putting 20% into the deal. When you buy a mutual fund or a stock or a bond, you put 100% down. When you buy income property, you can buy it with only 20% down, only one-fifth of the amount required to buy virtually any other investment, including a business for that matter. Now, occasionally you can do some financing on this stuff, but nothing is practical and workable and desirable. It's only desirable when it comes to income property. And so you automatically multiply any appreciation you have by five. So that 3% appreciation, which might just be keeping pace with inflation, now increases by 500% or five times, and it's now 15%. So 15%, you're now outperforming inflation by 12% annually. And that doesn't include tax benefits, it doesn't include positive cash flow, and it doesn't include really any re what we call regression to replacement costs, because we're buying these properties so inexpensively nowadays, aren't we? Yeah, most certainly. One website that uh, was pointed out to me that you know may be helpful for some listeners is homecost.com. And I think it's actually home-cost.com. And you can actually, you know, if you go to one of the tabs, you can type in the zip code of the property. And, and on all of our performas, you can see, you know, the zip code and also what the cost per square foot is on the property. Well, on this website, you can go in, type in the zip code, and it'll give you what the replacement cost is for that area, how much it would cost to rebuild a home in that area. And so it's just so telling, you know, the other day I looked up a property, uh, one of my investors was purchasing in Atlanta, uh, it was 50 bucks a square foot was what they were paying. And this website said it would cost $80 a square foot just to rebuild that same property in that area. So, you know, I, I thought that was very telling. Yeah. Are you sure it's homecost.com? Because I'm there and this looks like a sort of a site with a, I don't know, a bunch of various stuff, really kind of one of those advertising sites where they're just sort of linking to it, other. No, no, no. It does look like that. I'm going to go on there right now because it does look like that. Which, by the way, you know, I have to throw in an Ari, I'm sure you'll agree with this. What just struck me more than at any other event we've had this last weekend was how much we learn from our own clients. And I got to just pat all of us on the back because certainly I've been to our competitors meetings, okay? <laughs> and I don't go as a spy. I don't wear a disguise. I go up and shake hands with the speaker and they know I'm there and they know who I am. And so far, nobody's asked me to leave you know, <laughs> and get out. But our audience is so much more sophisticated than than when you go to these other groups. The, these other groups, it, it mostly just feels like these are the people that have been waiting for their ship to come in. They're dreamers. And there's nothing wrong with being a dreamer, of course. I was a dreamer at one time. Everybody starts out there. But how much I learn from our clients, our clients this weekend brought a wealth of knowledge to us, whether it was oh, Dave or Patrick agree. or anybody else in the audience. I mean, any yeah. other examples of that? Oh, I remember, no, I remember leaning over and I think it was David. I, I, I leaned over 
over to someone I was sitting by in the back and I said, gosh, our investors are really smart. You know, they've got some good, tough questions. Um, So I I completely agree. So going back to that website, if I can just give you the website again, it's home-cost.com. And it does look like it's a subscribed website, like a paid website. But if you just go to the blue tabs across the top, it's the second or it's the third to the last tab. It's a blue tab. It says construction cost per square foot. When you click on that, that's all free. You can go and you scroll down. There's a little spot to enter the zip code or state, and then that's where you get the um, construction cost. Okay, so I'm going to enter California zip code, which will be, everything will be a fortune there. And yeah, $129 per square foot for Irvine, California. And of course, that doesn't include land. The land is massively expensive. But now I'll include, I'll do an Arizona zip code here. And let me just see how this, how different this looks. It'll be interesting. $97 per square foot. So even in a low price market like Arizona, we're buying far below the cost of construction and the land is free to boot. So just a phenomenal opportunity for investors. That's why the smart money is coming out now. So feel free to kind of interrupt me at any point, but I just wanted to go over a few more of these bullet points from Dan's fantastic notes here. We talked about the entry point, where a person is entering. Are they an entry point investor who's just early, just new to the game. They want to optimize for rapid growth that can be reinvested for long-term investing. And we, we showed a great example where if someone for the first five years and this in any other investment, it sounds totally unrealistic. But with income property properly structured, people can do it all day long. If they can earn 20% annually, and then for the next 25 years, just earn a very modest 10% annually, which I know in any other investment sounds like a really high number. But if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that very conservatively, that is very possible with the right properties structured in the right way, 10 to 20% not a problem. Look at the projections on our website at jasonhartman.com for more detail. Look at the properties. Complete performance there. And then the second category is the growing investor. They want to optimize for stable, long-term, inflation-protected wealth creation. And then there is the person who is very close to retirement. And they want to optimize more for security and basically investing in what we call income property bonds. We talked about how the peak spending age for most people is about 46 years old. We talked about Gen X only having about 40 million Americans, whereas Gen Y has about 80 million people. That's 4 million larger than the baby boomers. And they're going to make a huge impact on the rental market. And that's why the institutional investors are wanting to buy income property so much now because they see the demographics. When you just look at age, this is a very simple thing to do to be an economic demographer. And you just look at the age of people. They do certain things generally at certain ages in their life. And the 80 million people coming right at the rental housing market right now are going to change everything and create a very, very good future for income property investors. So the prudent person sees that, and that's why the smart money is just rushing into income property right now. New investors should seek returns in the 20 to 25% range. Again, very plausible. Take a look at the projections on our website. And the big problem people are going to have now with life expectancies in 
increasing so much is that they're going to have too much life at the end of the money. So people have got to plan more than ever in the past. People have got to plan for their financial future because we know that the government is insolvent and it's not going to be there to take care of any of us. So very important thing. Any other reflections on the event or people who attended that you want to talk about, Ari or Sarah? One of the coolest things I think that we have never done is we had a live musician play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. And Brandon, oh, uh, yeah. thank you so uh, much for coming out and singing Yeah, Brandon, that was great. I think a lot of people kind of enjoyed that. It was a break between kind of like a mental break in the day that kind of helped people ease and relax their mind for a few minutes. But uh, yeah, thanks, Brandon. That was really good. Jason, did we ever post that video on our website at one point? We did not. And what Brandon did is he wrote a song for us all about investing and how to invest and how he likes the podcast and all of the main points that he's learned from the podcast. So maybe we'll get a recording of that and get it up on the website or play it during a podcast. But yeah, that, that was awesome, Ari. Thank you for bringing that up. And, and Brandon, thank you. I'm sure you're listening. So thank you so much for coming out, bringing your guitar and, and flying all the way from Durham, North Carolina out to sing and attend the event. That was great. You know, we had a lot of people come from other states. I think we had nine different groups or couples come from out of state, outside of California. Yeah, I think that was our biggest out-of-state attendee list this time around. Your podcast is definitely growing. (laughs) And and that doesn't, of course, that doesn't include speakers, local market specialists who regularly come from out-of-state. This is just attendees and guests. So so that was fantastic. So that probably totals around 15 to 18 people. Yeah, well, and it was really great to have Rodney and Carol out again from Chattanooga. Yep, second Um, time. They came about it a year ago and um, have purchased uh, some deals in Atlanta. And now they're looking to diversify. But just great people, great dinner conversation, uh, as well as Philip, also from Tennessee, came out. This was also his second Masters. No, and, I um, think Philip's been to more than two. He's been to three. Yeah, it's actually, four, yeah. it has been three, at least three. Yep. Yeah. So it was great to see you, Philip. And Rodney and Carol, by the way, thank you for the book recommendations. And I'm looking those up and I'll check those out. It's just great, again, how much we learn from our clients. One of the other things, speaking of learning from our clients, is, is what Patrick presented to us on how he he's purchased, I think, eight properties through our network. And he talked right at the end of the weekend on Sunday evening about how he researches rents and all the different websites he uses and all the different techniques he uses to research rents. And really, I, I mean, some of our investors do an incredible amount of due diligence. And they, in many cases, I have to say, and I'm just going to admit this openly, they've one-upped us <laughs> because they're, 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 they're taking everything we do and then just adding to it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say I'm so thankful he did that. You know me, I'm not real big on speaking in front of a group of people. I'm more of a one-on-one kind of a person. And so when he got up and did the rental presentation, I was like, sweet. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> so. was, that was really good. Ari, any other thoughts from you on the event? Well, I had to uh, real quick say thank you to David and Tina for coming out. They they came out from the Chicago area. That was great to see them. And Brandon, who's a fighter pilot, I want to say thanks to him. He brought his dad out from Colorado. So that was very cool. And also Roger and his son. Roger brought his son Garrett out. And they're from the well, they're from Longview, Texas, but the Dallas area, east of Dallas. Anyway, but Roger said something to me about his son. Uh, his son told Roger, which is his father, he told him, 
that this seminar actually, it almost makes you feel stupid if you don't buy real estate right now because like, <laughs> of all the stuff that was going on. He says that the seminar, it, it makes you feel that if you don't buy it, then you're doing something wrong. Well, <laughs> that, yeah, you know, and I, I, I have to just add to that. You are doing something wrong if you're not buying right now. If you have the ability to purchase income property in this environment, and of course, always, if you happen to be a first-time listener and you haven't been listening for 225 shows, then you know, you may not know, so I want to just clarify that. We're not talking about property in overvalued bubble markets. We're talking about prudent markets across the country where the properties make sense the day you buy them from a cash flow perspective. And cash flow is pretty darn reliable. We're not looking forward to any big appreciation numbers in the future or anything like that. That's pretty much in the rearview mirror, and there's a a lot of tough times ahead in a lot of ways, but things are lining up in the favor of income property really like never before. And a, a lot of it comes from our government being so irresponsible and profligate with their spending and, and the inflation that's going to create and, and the way monetary and fiscal policy are interacting. But the, the day after our Meet the Masters event, and that was Monday, the day after, I filed my personal tax return on the very last extension. <laughs> Nothing like getting a head start on it, right? <laughs> um, October 17th was the drop dead day you had to file. And I was talking to uh, my CPA, Mike, who who happened to speak at the event on Sunday morning. And you know, he's always great because he's such a technician. He's not a, a slick speaker type. He's just a technician who loves saving people money on their taxes. And so I talked to him the next day and he, he e-filed the return for me as I was on my way back to Arizona. And it is amazing how tax favored income property is i mean you can make you can make a fortune you can make an unlimited amount of money and if you play your cards right and do all the right things that the irs incentivizes you to do you can literally pay no tax i mean it is as much as I complain on this show about big government and intrusive government and high taxes and high regulations, I don't really pay much tax at all because of my property holdings. And and when you go through the course of, of several years or a lifetime and you have a get out of tax free card because you're an investor structuring your investments properly, I mean, just think of the difference that makes to you. Income taxes will account, depending on what state it is that you live in, income taxes will account for anywhere between, for most people listening, 30 to 45 percent of your income. 30 to 45 percent. Imagine if you could save 30 to 45% of your income every year and then take that savings that you didn't pay in tax and invest it wisely and also use it to enjoy life, to travel, to buy nice things, to send your kids to good schools, whatever it is. I mean, that is a phenomenal opportunity. The compounding effect of a household makes 100000 a year of saving between thirty dollars and $45,000 a year and adding one additional rental property every year or two additional rental properties every year more than you would normally buy because you have figured out how to not pay taxes by doing the things that the IRS wants you to do, provide rental housing to people that it's incentivizing you to do. That makes an amazing difference over the course of 5, 10, 20, 30 years. It's, it's, incredible. it's incalculable. I mean, a total difference in, in your life 
and your and your friend's life who isn't following this plan. Just an amazing opportunity. Uh, well, I was just going to comment, and this was a little while back when you were talking about, you know, what an incredible time we're in. I was thinking about Tammy, who is uh, one of the property managers in Atlanta. She was a new speaker, uh, came out, uh, she was... Poor thing. She was so nervous doing her speech, but I thought and, she did a great and job. And she did fine. She was great. She talked <laughs> she about she talked about property management and about lease to own and rent to own programs. We had our, her on our members only monthly call just a couple weeks ago, and yeah, that was great. What, so, what about Tammy? Well, so I was just something she said stuck out in my brain, and it was you know that she well you know her little background on her is that she's got over eighteen income properties herself that she's just slowly acquired over the years, and you know she's a property manager, but she's got her own growing portfolio. But the thing that stuck out to me was that uh, she was looking at a listing that was close to one of her properties that she bought like 20 years ago. And that, you know, you could buy that same property for the same price or just slightly less than what she paid for it 20 years ago. I mean, that's what kind of times we're in today. That spells opportunity. It gives everybody listening the chance to turn the clock back. A lot of people listening feel like they missed the boat. And, you know, sometimes I read that poem called The Reluctant Investor's Lament. And sometimes I read it at the end of a a seminar, like a Creating Wealth seminar or Meet the Masters weekend or something like that. And it, it goes, you know, I hesitate to make a list of all the countless deals I've missed. And many people listening feel that way. But this financial crisis, like the Chinese say, a crisis is an opportunity riding the dangerous wind. This crisis has brought with it huge opportunity where people who did miss the boat and who may be kicking themselves that they didn't start investing in real estate 10, 20, 30 years ago, they can turn the clock back. Depending on the market, they can turn the clock back and get their chance to start and create that wealth. So very good point, Sarah. Very good point. Well, if I could just say one thing in closing, you know, that I was thinking over this weekend is that I wish I could get everybody to come to this event. You know, so many people I talk to from out of state and everybody's a little skeptic of, you know, there's so many different real estate groups and and they're not sure which one to pick. And it's like everybody who attended this event, Meet the Masters event, just really appreciated all the networking, putting some faces with the names and you know I I just think it was so valuable so you know again we thank you for this event. The thing that differentiates us from other promoters out there like the internet marketers and people like that that are selling educational products certainly education is important but the problem with all of these other groups is that they're not usually selling real estate and so they have no attachment to the actual outcome. What we say in our seminars, in our podcast, on our educational products, has to come true in real life, or at least get close to what we talk about in real life, because we're attached to the outcome. We are the referral network that is providing people through our connections and our our local market specialists with actual properties or actual private lending deals where they can loan money and earn a return on it. And that, that attaches us to the outcome. We can't just sell someone a set of audio CDs and or DVDs and send them on their way. We're in the business. We're really doing it. This is where the rubber meets the road. And then the other thing I'd say, and I got this from talking with one of our local market specialists at the Friday night dinner, because he works with a lot of our competitors that do have referral networks that sell real estate. 
and I, I kind of hate to almost think this way, but I got to be honest that I, I did <laughs> think this way. And and he, he said, Jason, I was talking to him about all these other groups because, of course, I want to get the scoop on all our competitors. And he said, he said to me, he said, Jason, you don't have a competitor, really. And I said, well, what about so-and-so? I think that person has a, has a good business. You know, I mean, they're my competitor. I don't love them because they're my competitor, of course. But I, I thought, you know, I thought this one person that I mentioned was running a good business. And then I mentioned another one that I thought was running a pretty good business. And he says, you have no idea. These people are doing the deal of the month. They, they have no consistent program. They have no consistent philosophy. They have no money, is what he basically said. They're not investing like you are. They're not doing the things you're doing. Your business is, is the real deal. And I got to say, that's the one theme I keep hearing from our clients and from at times like that, sometimes our vendors, our local market specialists who do business with some of our competitors as well. So it just makes me feel good and it makes me feel like we're, we're really doing the right thing and we're really helping people and we're really providing a good service. This is not a just a let's make money business. It's a mission. It's a mission to save the middle class and help the middle class not move into the lower class, which is what's going to happen to tens of millions, if not a couple hundred million people here in the in the coming years as, as things in many ways get a lot worse in the U.S. And, and in many places around the world. So yeah, thank you for listening to this debrief about this. Ari, did you want to mention anything in closing? No, that's it, Jason. Thanks. Okay, good. Well, thanks to both Sarah and Ari for coming on and talking about this stuff. And up next, this show is not over because we have a whole presentation here where we're going to talk about one of our markets. And we've got an interview with a local market specialist from St. Robert, a very stable, interesting military type market, one that's definitely off the radar of institutional investors, one where I purchased a 10 unit building a few months back with a couple of our clients. And boy, that thing just leased up lickety split. We're going to talk about vacancy rates and we're going to look at some historical studies of vacancy rates in this market. This is sure to amaze you. So we will be back with that in just less than 60 seconds. So stay tuned. We'll be right back in less than a minute. What's great about the shows you'll find on jasonhartman.com is that if you want to learn more about investing in real estate in different markets, there's a show for that. If you want to learn 17 ways rich people think and act differently, there's a show for that. If you want to know how to get paid to borrow, there's a show for that. And if you'd like to know why Amsterdam doesn't take dollars or why pools are for fools, there are even shows for that. Yep, there's a show for just about anything. Only from jasonhartman.com or type in Jason Hartman in the iTunes store. Hey, it's my pleasure to welcome Zach back to the show. He is going to talk about vacancy or how not to have dreaded vacancies. And we're going to talk about that in one of our markets, one of our markets that I'm invested in with 10 units of my own. And then we're also going to talk about special pricing and how that is really true, how you can actually buy below what other people are paying right in the same time frame, and you'll be kind of amazed at how this is possible. So let's talk about that. Zach, let's dive into vacancy here. We've both got some vacancy reports in front of us for this particular market that we're going to talk about today, and they are nothing short of amazing if you're an investor, if you're a landlord, right? Absolutely. That's correct. Well, so what are they? I mean, I'm seeing vacancy rates below 3% in, in an almost three-year period. 
wow, that that's amazing. I mean, our performance go with 8% vacancy, but you're you're beating that like crazy, aren't you? We are, and we have consistently done that since, well, you're looking at the reports, January of 2009, and uh, we've done that across the board on our duplexes, uh, on our two- and three-bedroom duplex units, and on our one-bedroom apartment-type units. Okay, so we've had a lot of clients buy duplexes in your market and a couple buy small apartment buildings in your market. Tell us about the duplexes, I guess. The duplexes typically are, we either do two-bedroom, two-bath, one-car garage type units or three-bedroom, two-bath, one-car garage type units. Overall, they they rent obviously very well and they stay rented. You can see the vacancy reports where you can see the average move-in and move-out times. I mean, you're, you're looking at typically 12 days or less and typically two weeks. It's very, very tight term times. A lot of that has to do with a very strong rental market and very strong demand and strong demand with a couple with a supply shortage along with uh, Tudor and Horn here, um, a management company that really understands and understands the P&L on a property and understands how to decrease vacancy by being highly proactive um, whenever they know a unit's coming open. Yeah, so uh, I, I've got a few different reports here that I'm looking at. There are three different reports, but let me share one summary of one of the reports with our listeners here, okay? And the, this is history. This is not a projection into the future. This is this actually occurred. This is real life. So we're talking about a total of 20 different units here where in this period of almost three years, 980 days is the exact time period, there were 39 move-outs. Now that sounds bad, but remember, this is almost three years. So you didn't even get one turning a year on average. And the average days vacant between tenants, get this, you listening, everybody? 11.66 days, not even 12 days of vacancy, (laughs) okay, on average. The total vacancy percentage here is 2.34%, 2.34%, and again, we won't allow you to project anything below 8%. So <laughs> you're 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 beating the heck out of it, and we've been working with you for a few years. And just so as not to keep everybody in suspense here, we're talking about St. Robert, Missouri. Okay, I don't want to keep the listeners in suspense for too long as to what market we're talking about with these great records. But Zach, what is going on in St. Robert? Why why are you having such good success there? I mean, other than tooting your horn with the management, which is great. Obviously, with St. Robert, you have Fort Leonard Wood, which is um, the unit that we're discussing in these vacancy reports are within four miles away from Fort Leonard Wood. And these obviously go, these vacancy reports go all the way back to January 1st of 2009. And since then, we have seen the base and Fort Leonard Wood expand substantially, which has obviously increased demand. It's now graduating 100,000, over 100,000 soldiers and students per year through it, which in turn obviously creates a very good rental market. Yeah, and how long have you been operating in that market? We brought our first unit online back in '08. So I've been there um, almost four years now, going on four years. So four years and pretty good success. That's for sure. Pretty good success is an understatement. Now, I bought a 10-unit property there with some wonderful clients of ours who are probably listening to this show right now, Danson and Elton. And how is that one going? 
that one we brought online in May, and I think by mid-June, we were, uh, actually by 1st of June, I believe we were 8 out of 10, and I think through June we got the last two leased up. So I believe 1st of July or mid-July we were 100% occupied, and I believe we're 100% occupied right now on that building. Well, it's hard to complain about 100% occupancy, that's for darn sure. So good good job. Let's look at another one of these reports, Zach. Now, this one, we're talking about 24 units here, and we're talking about a slightly longer period of 949 days. We had 70 move outs, but the average days vacant between tenants was 9.71 days. 9.71. This is on the report you just gave me, and this equates to a 2.88% vacancy rate. Pretty awesome. And I'm looking at a report here with the actual names of the tenants, and this is the real deal, unless you're just completely making this up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that much time on my hands. Yeah, okay. So so tell us a little bit more about what you're doing to get these units and really keep these units leased and get them leased so quickly between tenants. Well, these units, we've actually found a target market of, we do a lot of one year and less ten, one year and less leases on these type of units, and these are actually identical to the ten unit building you're you're involved with. These just have been online since February first of two thousand nine is when we actually um, finished up these these two twelve unit buildings and stabilized them. But the units are identical to the current ten unit buildings you're involved with, just a longer time period. Obviously, stretched out over nine hundred and forty nine days, you can see what happens with two point eight eight percent vacancy rate. We are targeting with these a niche market of a lot of people that are coming in for captain's courses. And these are a lot of times higher-ranking soldiers that are that are renting these things, and they're coming in for a six-month captain's course. And as those courses come through, they graduate, and then the next one comes in. And you can obviously tell by our vacancy report an average number of days vacant of 9.71 that even if we turn over more than one time a year on a unit, it's a very quick turnover. And it, it works very, very well. Obviously, we've tapped a uh, very, very strong need in the area. And talk to us a little bit about how the, well, before we switch from vacancy, actually, before we do this, I want to just go over one more report summary, okay? But before I do that, Zach, tell us about the product types, mainly duplexes, right? Is that what you're working on mostly? Uh, a combo, actually, about 50-50 between apartments and duplexes. And when you say apartments, what unit sizes are those? These are one-bedroom, all our apartment buildings that are, uh, we do anywhere from four unit buildings all the way up to 16 unit buildings. And it's just a different variation on, on the size of building. All the units are identical. They're all one bedroom, one bathroom. They have a carport for their unit and they're all right around that 640 square foot per unit. And so you're finding that those small, uh, really almost efficiency type units are really the most desirable in your market, huh? They are for this and uh, with, the, with the apartment buildings. Now, once we go to the duplexes, we get in the two-bedroom, two-bath type units and, and the duplex unit on, the garage, or on a, a two-bedroom unit, we're right around 1,140 square feet per, of living space per side. And then on the three-bedroom duplexes, we're 1,380 per side. So let's take one of those three bedrooms as an example, because I want to switch to that in just a moment, but let me just share one more vacancy report summary here. Now, this is a total of 16 units, and there were six move-outs. This is a shorter time period. It's 615 days, and the average days vacant here in this report was 6.8 days vacant, so not even a week, not even seven days. And the vacancy percentage here, only 1.48%. That's phenomenal. Now, let's, let's switch gears here but be you know before we switch gears 
on that. I know I keep saying I'm going to switch gears on the to get to the price thing because I got a question for you about that. But when landlords are looking at vacancy rates, it would be deceiving to look at, and I'm going to spring this on you, Zach, because you're probably not ready for this one because we didn't talk about it and you were not expecting it. It would be deceiving just to look at vacancy rate and think that that's your total issue because what it assumes, Zach, is it assumes that everybody's paying their rent. So you've also got to look at collection issues. Now, I know from the military tenants I've had over the years, and I've had several of them, the vast majority have been great just great tenants. And I don't have collection problems with military tenants. <laughs> no, and, and uh, we I, do not either. Yeah. So so is the vacancy rate, I guess the way to say it is, is that an economic occupancy rate or a physical occupancy rate? In other words, someone could be in the house but not paying the rent. Are, are they paying the rent? What are collections like? Do you have collection issues? That is technically a lease date to lease date. So that is a, a physical occupancy date report. Now, as far as collections and stuff, we could figure those in. Those are not enough to even make a blip in this radar, though, due to it being 95% of our tenants being military. And, and and what does that mean, military? I mean, I know what it does, but I want you to explain it to the listeners because you have more firsthand experience than I do. I just have a, several military tenants I've had over the years. But when a military tenant doesn't pay their rent, what do you do? We go to their commanding officer. And we we have some ends there. Typically, we can find out who their commanding officer is. Most of the time, we get that information uh, if at all available in the very front end when they're moving in. We we request their commanding officer's name and contact information. So if we ever have an issue, we go straight to them. And generally speaking, we get our money very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> much, much more than the <laughs> pure normal non-military. Uh, tenant, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. The civilian tenant doesn't have to do like six thousand push-ups if they don't pay their rent, right? <laughs> That's correct. The military definitely frowns on um, any kind of uh, financial hardships or anything like that, and they definitely step in and try to get them straightened out on any kind of off-base private issue. Yeah, military people are great. I mean, they're so disciplined and generally just very, very good people. Okay, so let's switch here finally. And let's talk about price because something that's very interesting is all of these investor groups out there, my competitors, you know, they're marketing properties as though they're below market. And I won't allow any of our local market specialists, whether they're developers or rehabbers, we have different deals in different markets. Sometimes we have developers that are building brand new stuff, as it is in your case. But sometimes we have rehab that are buying properties at auctions and rehabbing them and then getting them ready for investors to buy and rent or buy and flip. And they all want to say, you know, the properties are below market. And I think that a lot of times that's really, really a misnomer. It's it's not true. And that's the reason I won't allow our local market specialist to, for example, put it on the performa that the market value, initial market value versus cost, I won't let them make those numbers different. Because if they make them different, the ROI, the return on investment, on that investment, it, it goes through the roof. Like if you were to say a property is just $3,000 below market value, it, it would turn an ROI projection of 20 to 30 to 35% into 250% annually. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. The numbers just, they go they go nuts. Nobody would believe it. And and plus it's it creates too much liability for, for us. So we won't allow that, okay? it's We just think it's wrong. But, <laughs> now, but I want you to explain what goes on with the pricing of, of your units. And let's use a duplex, a three-bedroom duplex as an example. So you've got 1,380 square feet on both sides. Our clients can buy these 
for 189.9, right? That's correct. Okay, so 189.9, and we're going to take 1,380 square feet. We're going to multiply it times 2. Okay, that gives us 2,760 square feet. Okay, so everybody remember that number, 2,760, because we're going to come back to it in a minute. Now, Zach, what's the highest price you've sold one of these duplexes for? I believe it was 236000 right around 235 How long yeah. ago? 235 was sometime in 2011 that the buildings have sold for that. Yeah, five to seven months, somewhere right around that ballpark. So, so this year, so earlier this year, for $235,000. Now, if we take, now here, here, here's the BS detector, folks, for everybody listening. This is the BS detector. When you're talking about a brand new duplex, okay, any brand new structure, all you do is I want you to take your calculator like I'm doing and take $235,000 and divide it by 2,760 square feet, and we see that the cost per square foot there is $85 per square foot. Now, that is a legitimate number for brand new construction, $85 per square foot. So the first thing that comes to mind is why would anybody come along and pay you $235,000? Wouldn't they simply check the comparable sales and realize that you're selling these properties to our investors for $189,900? Let's just call it one ninety. dollars what don't they know? They do not know how we structure the deals. And that is where our competitive advantage, if you will, kind of lies with being the construction company, the property management company, and the full-on developer. We have the ability to do things that most other investors don't have access to or provide different ways to finance things that other investors don't have access to. Okay, but let's let's get specific about that because what you do is our client really is is not buying the property from you per se. They're hiring you to build it for them, right? That's correct. So when they hire you to build it for them, the price that they ultimately pay never really shows up as a comparable sale, does it? That's correct. And this is not marketed locally either. So nobody Nobody has access to it. Nobody even knows about it. So they're not in the MLS, in the multiple listing service. So it's a different deal. And there's nothing to prevent you from building a home for someone. You can do that. You're a developer. Now, if you build a home for what they call for spec, which is the way you're doing it for a regular consumer, you stick it in the MLS and you get them to pay $235,000 for it, but you can't get the economy of scale where you're selling a lot of them to investors through our group in that scenario. So for those, you really do have to sell them for more, don't you? That's correct. So the investor, we own the land. We, we develop the land. Uh, we own the lots. The investor would come in, uh, execute a lot purchase contract to acquire the ground that we would build the duplex on. Uh, at the same time that they execute that lot purchase contract, they would execute a construction agreement, a specification agreement, and a floor plan agreement. And what those things state is that we're going to build you a building, turnkey it to you, and we're going to give it to you for X amount of dollars and build it. And, and once you're done, you're done. Now, we actually even, I'll take it a step further, and I'm going to spring this on you, Jason. We actually cover all of your interest during the construction inside that turnkey price. We, we cover all the appliances, the, the yards, everything. And the building is absolutely rent ready whenever you're done, so much that we actually cover your interest until there is, there is one tenant in place. So as a developer and, and owning the property management company, we're assuming that risk that you will not take over an empty building, take over any kind of a payment on an empty building. So you will at least be 50% occupied. So by doing it this way, you, you're not buying a building, you're having a building built. And while it 
on the surface and, and at first glance it doesn't seem like much of a difference, it's a huge difference in the marketplace. And as Jason was saying, in no form or fashion is this on the multi-list because there's never technically the only thing we are selling would be the lot. And we could put that in the multi-list. That's no problem. That wouldn't hurt anything. But the building itself, you're financing it in your name. You're acting as, in a sense, a mini developer because you're providing the financing to build the building, which in turn is not a sell. That is a build-out and a build-to-suit, essentially. Let me take a brief pause. We'll be back in just a minute. I've never really thought of Jason as subversive, but I just found out that's what Wall Street considers him to be. Really? Now, how is that possible at all? Simple. Wall Street believes that real estate investors are dangerous to their schemes because the dirty truth about income property is that it actually works in real life. I know. I mean, how many people do you know, not including insiders, who created wealth with stocks, bonds, and mutual funds? Those options are for people who only want to pretend they're getting ahead. Stocks and other non-direct traded assets are a losing game for most people. The typical scenario is, you make a little, you lose a little, and spin your wheels for decades. That's because the corporate crooks running the stock and bond investing game will always see to it that they win. This means, unless you're one of them, you will not win. And unluckily for Wall Street, Jason has a unique ability to make the everyday person understand investing the way it should be. He shows them a world where anything less than a 26% annual return is disappointing. Yep, and that's why Jason offers a one-book set on creating wealth that comes with 20 digital download audios. He shows us how we can be excited about these scary times and exploit the incredible opportunities this present economy has afforded us. We can pick local markets untouched by the economic downturn, exploit packaged commodities investing, and achieve exceptional returns safely and securely. I like how he teaches you how to protect the equity in your home before it disappears and how to outsource your debt obligations to the government. And this set of advanced strategies for wealth creation is being offered for only $197. To get your Creating Wealth Encyclopedia Book 1, complete with over 20 hours of audio, go to jasonhartman.com forward slash store. If you want to be able to sit back and collect checks every month just like a banker, Jason's Creating Wealth Encyclopedia series is for you. So one of the big risks people have with building their own property is is this, and my mother's going through it right now. So I, I'll share that experience because many of our listeners have been kind of interested in, in the story about my mom building her house. And it's exactly this. It's that you go and you finance a project, and this happened to thousands of investors in Florida. I mean, there's a lot of litigation out of this stuff. Uh, Russ Whitney was selling a lot of properties like this. Marshall Reddick was selling a lot of properties like this. And it, it was a big problem in Florida. We never did that main Florida area. We did a little bit of business up in the panhandle in the military areas like Pensacola, where I own property myself. And those have fared much better. But the rest of Florida is pretty much a bloodbath. And what would happen there is people would do deals similar to this. And the way they got burned is because the builder would never get around to building the house. 
<laughs> or finishing the house. And and so my mother is building this 9,000 square foot house, her dream home, this southern mansion in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And she's having the same problem <laughs> because she can't get people to get the, their job done, to get the work done. The painting contractor comes in and makes a promise, oh, I'll have it painted in a month. And here we go, months later, the painting still isn't finished. And they use every excuse in the book, oh, the weather, the this, the that. And that's where the risk really comes in for the investor developer, because our listener is really an investor developer. And what they're doing is they're hiring a developer to take that risk, put their money where their mouth is, and carry all of the cost until when? Until the property is rented, right? That's correct. Until there's one tenant in place. Okay. Oh, one of the two tenants. So they do have the risk of not getting the other tenant, but at least it'll be half occupied and, and it'll be finished because it has to be finished to get the certificate of occupancy. Correct. Yeah. Okay, good. What else should people know? Typically, it takes two to three weeks. Obviously, you can see by the vacancy reports that we were discussing earlier, it takes typically two to three weeks. I mean, you're going to have your second tenant in place. So it's typically a very short period of time before the second tenant is in place. So very overall, traditionally, there has been a little risk there as well. So that's a very good thing. And you've got a new financing plan that we're going to talk about on a future show. You've got to get it cleared, accounting, legal, get all that done. And it's pretty exciting and pretty interesting. So we will have you back here on a future show to talk about that. But just give us a little overview of the area and why it's desirable and, and the product that you're selling. You know, we started in kind of backwards on this one where we talked first about vacancy, then we talked about the pricing issue and how to build in a profit for one as a developer, basically a $45,000 potential profit there. But talk about the, the market and the product, if you would. I'll start with a 10,000 foot view. The reason we are, uh, a question I get all the time from investors is how can you do this at 189000 to us and then still take them for 235 aside from just the appraisal and those types of things? How can there be that much margin in there? Because if you do the calculations, 189 to 235, that's a, that's a huge developer margin. Typical construction margins are not that big, let alone for us, allow us to do the building to the investor 189 and still have enough margin in there for us to survive. <laughs> and there's a few different reasons for that and, and factors at play. The first one that comes to mind is by doing 189, we get our economies of scale. We can run for the area a decent amount of volume. We can run anywhere from 15 to 25 duplexes a year, so anywhere from 30 to 50 units a year. And that in turn gives us, in this size of an area, in this demographic, the different demographic of an area, that gives us a substantial control over labor and a substantial control over materials and pricing and everything in the area and gives us buying power to in turn bring down our our net built price to allow us to be able to build for the 189 and have enough margin in there. If we were coming in on a retail side, like we were talking about 235, the reason $85 a square foot is completely legit on new construction and it, it, it is actually completely legit in this area because for typical volumes and typical absorption of sales for a developer or a builder to build that on spec, they're not going to do 15 to 25 buildings a year. And to put it bluntly, if we could come in and build and sell 15 to 25 buildings a year retail, we would probably do that and, and not even mess with taking anything to investors, to put it very bluntly. You used to be able to do that. I mean, during the heyday, during the roaring 2005 era, I'll call it, <laughs> the money printing uh, era and that craziness, anybody can get a mortgage. You know, a developer could do that and they would make obscene margins. They could build a tract of 40 properties with no 
buyers. They just built, they could get the financing to build them, first of all. They could just build a tract of 40, well, really, they could build a tract of a couple hundred units, and the buyers would just come on in and buy them. If you build it, they will come, uh, the field of dreams. Yeah, but, but you can't do that nowadays. It just doesn't work anymore. And so that's why the investment model is much more efficient for you as the developer, right? Absolutely. And also, just just as you were saying, we don't have to build it and they will come, which in my my conservative stance is that <laughs> that equates to risk. And I'm very risk averse. And we do not build it and they will come. We we make the investor come and then we will build it, <laughs> which in turn decreases our risk substantially, which in turn makes our risk reward from a construction company and developer and everything. It make, it puts it in line to where it's a comfort level that I'm, I'm okay with by having the investor already speaking for it and carrying it on, technically carrying the debt and the loan and everything on the investor's balance sheet versus us carrying it on our construction balance sheet, construction company's balance sheet. And those are the two biggest contributing factors to allow us to come in and, and hit these type of price points because we are building substantially cheaper than market value in the area. One more quick thing I want to add to that is that's not going to last forever. While labor pricing, just as a construction industry as a whole, labor pricing is very, very cheap right now. Labor is not going to get any cheaper. Uh, material pricing uh, material prices are rock bottom. They are not going to get any cheaper. At the first opportunity for construction to pick up enough, um, here's what we're going to see in the construction industry. There's enough subcontractors that have went out of business that the few that are still standing are getting all the current business, and they're just coasting, and they're, they're just surviving, if you will. And they're going to survive. They're, they're the best of the best that are left. But as soon as the volume of construction picks up, you have a much smaller labor pool to pull from. So in turn, that's going to enable them to brace their prices very quickly. And the same, the same analogy is in place on the material supply side. So as an investor, when you're getting in for these type of price points that are really below market value, you're going to, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason, you always say the, the back to replacement cost. I can't remember your exact verbiage you always use. Regression to replacement cost. That's my famous phrase, regression to replacement <laughs> there you cost. Go. I'll, I'll send you your nickel that I owe you for using your term. <laughs> my royalties, um, yes. <laughs> your royalties on that. But you're going to see the same thing because you're going to see inflation in the construction industry. And it may be two years from now. It may be a year from now. It may be three years from now. And, and every market is going to be different for that. But every market, you're going to see a very quick ramp up of construction costs due to the, the decrease in the size of labor pool and the decrease in the amount of material suppliers. And there's going to be a disproportionate oh, supply to demand. And it's going to go the polar opposite direction very quickly when supply or excuse me, volume does pick up in the construction industry. Yeah. Well, you know what I think it's going to be? I think it's just going to be inflation driven, basically. You know, and we should just differentiate in all fairness. Most people say, well, prices will rise. Well, that's true, but that's in nominal dollars, maybe or maybe not. I'm not sure yet. In real dollars, the the significance in real dollars will be much less. But the thing is, is that you arbitrage that nominal versus real dollar equation with financing. 
And that's the beauty for a real estate investor. If, if there's 10%, and we've talked about this in prior shows, so I'm not going to go into it in detail. Listeners, go back to prior shows, creating wealth home study course, come to the Meet the Masters event, whatever. There's a lot more to this. Too long to explain now. But basically, it's like this. If you get a five to one leverage ratio, say you're ultimately putting 20% down on a property, just for a simplistic example, you have a five to one leverage ratio. If inflation is in the future, 10%, then you you normally just by owning the property with cash, you're going to keep pace with inflation because real dollars to real dollars, it's just a real dollar increase. It's not a true gain. But if you finance it, you're going to outpace inflation by a multiple of five or 500%. This is why people become so wealthy owning income property properly structured. And that's what we're here to help our listeners do. So go to jasonhartman.com and have us help you with that. But yeah, absolutely. That's an amazing opportunity, no question about it. What else do you have to tell us on that, Zach? Along with the the construction pricing and where we're at with that with the investor versus retail price points and that that market value, the market itself and the local economy is booming. Uh, with the military, you don't have job loss in the military. You don't have you don't have wage decreases. Uh, if there is inflation, military people will get generally speaking always get cost of living increases, which in turn means you have nice rental increases. So those two things coupled together really help to hedge this area against inflation when and not necessarily if, but when it comes. <laughs> that coupled with just the economy and what's going on in the area with the growth of insulation, the growth is outpacing the, the supply side by far because construction financing is still very tight. And it is still, nobody. I'll be honest, nobody in the area focuses on multifamily. Nobody in the area understands it's a smaller demographic and it's not big enough to attract larger money pools to come in and drop you know, two and three and 400 units at a time on the area. It, it's smaller developers. We develop more multifamily than anybody else in the area and we develop about 60 to 100 units a year. And we'll keep on that pace. It's, it's a solid, good pace that we can absorb and it's strong without getting way too ambitious and, uh, and increasing the supply side too much. It's, it's good, and we'll keep a good thumb on that market. Well, what you seem to have really done, and you've succeeded at it quite well, my hat's off to you, is you're a big city guy, because you don't even live in St. Robert, you live in Kansas City. So you're, you're a big city guy that came into a small town that's largely a government-funded small town uh, through the military, through gigantic military base, and you're in a place where there aren't a lot of like really sophisticated real estate development type people that are competing with you. So that was really a, a brilliant strategy. Hats off to you. Thank you. A little bit dumb luck. Really, really good. Well, <laughs> dumb luck, brilliant strategy. Hey, you know what I always say? Uh, I'd rather be lucky than good any day of the week. <laughs> exactly. No, the rent to value in the area, rent to build cost is uh, highly disproportionate in the right direction from an investor's point of view. And uh, it, it's a very good opportunity that jumped on and definitely pounced on it. Well, it's that way in a hotel as well. And the problem with hotels is they can't keep their units occupied enough, but because of the just the hotel industry and the way that whole business model works. But what a hotel is providing in service to its very short-term tenant is it's providing convenience and mobility. And I said it to someone yesterday. I, I was at the W Hotel in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I was talking to this girl. She was there with her dog. We were going to Doga class. I know it's something you'd think you'd only do in California, but <laughs> yoga for dogs. I know it's hilarious. 
guys, right? And she said she was interested in real estate investing. And she said she just moved here with her fiance for a job from Dallas, moved to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. And and what's interesting is that I said to her, because she was thinking of, should I, should I buy a place for myself? Should we buy a place for ourselves here? Or should we buy rental property? I've been reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, etc. And I said, hands down rental property, because the best thing you can have on a resume nowadays is mobility. The ability to move for a job. That is what will keep you employed. So as as investors, as landlords, that's what we're providing to people. We're allowing them to stick mobility on their resume where they only have a one-year lease instead of a house that they are just completely stuck with. So I think we're providing a great service. I think landlords, investors like us, will literally help increase the rate of employment and decrease the rate of unemployment. And so it's a great thing that we're doing. And with military people, they need mobility. So they're not looking to buy stuff as much. They're looking to rent stuff, right? Absolutely. They definitely look for mobility. Most people there are there for three years or less. And uh, generally speaking, they can't buy a single family home, uh, recoup commissions and everything between the time they move there, buy it and need to sell it again. So it makes perfect sense for them to be renters and for two or three years while they're there. That's a great strategy. Okay, good. Well, hey, thank you so much for sharing this today. We look forward to having you back on to talk about a financing opportunity and we appreciate it. Good luck keeping those vacancies as low as they are. Good job. Appreciate the time, Jason. Thank you. Now's your opportunity to get the Financial Freedom Report. The Financial Freedom Report provides financial self-defense in uncertain times, and it's your source for innovative, forward-thinking investment property strategies and advice. Get your newsletter subscription today. You get a digital download and even more. The price, only $197. Go to jasonhartman.com to get yours today. This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company, all rights reserved. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please visit www.hartmanmedia.com or email media at hartmanmedia.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own, and the host is acting on behalf of Platinum Properties Investor Network, Inc., exclusively.